strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. Did you hear this coming up in just about 15 minutes? And uh, we're going to start up a little bit. Um, if you haven't heard this, I thought it was fascinating. Yesterday was a big day in media. The elections are heating up. We've been talking about them. Who's going to be our next governor? We're seeing races. You just heard Jeff talk in the news about races, according to High Ground, Chuck Coughlin's group, that races are tightening, like the Senate race is tightening, that um, Blake Masters seems to, in spite of being outspent as much as he's been outspent, is kind of closing the gap. Whether or not he can do that before Election Day, we'll find out. Um, But this race between Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs has heated up and has become a national news story. And whether or not Katie Hobbs would sit down or stand up and debate Carrie Lake has become a national story. The narrative, Katie Hobbs got her 30 minutes yesterday with PBS. And uh, as most of you know the story, the way the Clean Elections Commission – had set it up was they would offer the debate to candidates in all the races, by the way, all the big statewide races. But they offer a debate to the gubernatorial candidates. And if one candidate declines, the other candidate gets a 30-minute interview. They did it in the primary when Katie Hobbs strategically didn't think she needed to debate Marco Lopez, so he got a 30-minute interview. And it worked out for her. She won the primary. Um, she has refused to date, uh, debate Kerry Lake. And then... Come to find out when Carrie Legg showed up to do her 30-minute interview that PBS had also extended the offer to Katie Hobbs for a 30-minute interview. And it, it blew up, and they separated the PBS and clean elections, uh, dissolved, or at least a, for the time being, dissolved their relationship. And they were looking for another media partner. has gone to AZTV. The, uh, that's gonna, we'll find out about that on Saturday. They have extended – AZTV Clean Elections has extended the same offer for a debate to Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs. Carrie Lake said, I'll be there. I have cleared my schedule now for a third time. I'll be there. There has been no word from Katie Hobbs at all. If she shows up, there'll be a debate. If she doesn't show up, there's going to be a question and answer session for 30 minutes with Carrie Lake. And that'll be on AZTV 7. Um And so it's been a big story. Yesterday, Katie Hobbs got her 30 minutes, and she gave the same defense of why she's not debating that she's been giving from the beginning. It's not about being afraid to debate. It's not about any of that. She says that she doesn't want to be a part of the spectacle that Carrie Lake will create if uh, she shows up for the debate. What's interesting about that is this is a spectacle now. This is a bigger spectacle than it needed to be ever. But what's interesting about this, it fuels the fire. And I mean I mean this respectfully. I mean no disrespect by what I'm about to say. All of the accusations of Katie Hobbs being afraid to debate and answer hard questions and answer for her behavior that is being pushed by the late campaign is being confirmed by the behavior of the Hobbs campaign. Katie Hobbs, these are not my words. These are the words of the journalists that were there. Katie Hobbs sat down. And did her PBS interview for 30 minutes. Media was waiting in another room to speak with her. She snuck out in a freight elevator. You're just fueling the fire of the reputation you've been given. So now let's stir this up a little bit. Carrie Lake, every time she walks into a room, and I'm not defending, I'm pointing out. I'm not, I don't have, listen, Carrie Lake does a better job defending herself than anybody does. I don't have to defend Carrie Lake. This is an observation. 
Carrie Lake walks out in front of the media knowing she's going to get hammered with questions and it's going to be the same old questions and she's going to have to answer for being an election denier and all of these other things. So she came prepared last night. She walks out. She walks the gauntlet in stark contrast where Katie Hobbs left and snuck out in a freight elevator. Carrie Lake walked and talked to the media prepared and they started asking her about being an election denier. And this is how it started. Let's talk about election deniers. Here's 150 examples of Democrats denying election results. Oh, wow, look at this. This is from this is from uh, Joe Biden's press secretary. Reminder, Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. Democrats saying that. Is that an election denier? Oh, look at this. Just heard Republican Ryan Costello said it would be difficult for Stacey Abrams to win because she lost her state bid, but yet she's still claiming she never lost. This is over Hillary Clinton. Trump is an illegitimate president. Is she an election denier? This one says, was the 2016 election legitimate? It now definitely is a question worth asking. That's the Los Angeles Times. So it's okay for Democrats to question elections, but it's not okay for Republicans. It's a crock of BS. Every one of you knows it. We have our freedom of speech, and we're not going to relinquish it to a bunch of fake news propagandists. Um, I will tell you that I'm not an election denier. I questioned and still question the validity of the way our uh, our audit was handled here in the state of Arizona. I was someone in favor of an audit for the very reason Carrie Lake just pointed out that yeah, I went back as far as 2016. She goes back even further that Democrats and Republicans at different times have denied the validity of elections for a very long time. So I thought doing a fair and thorough audit of our elections in Arizona would put a lot of those questions to bed. And I don't think we got that. I think we hired a company in the Cyber Ninjas that was ill-equipped to do it. I think that's proven to be true. Uh, I think it was partisan from the very beginning. It was not done very well. And it didn't prove anything. And so for people that are still election deniers, they should be the angriest because you're never going to get real answers to the questions one way or the other after what happened with that debacle of an audit. And I've maintained that from the beginning. I am not an election denier. I believe Joe Biden was elected president. I believe he is our president. I don't like it, but he is. But what Carrie Lake just did there was stand up and face the media. And she said to them, you're not being fair. Here are all of these prominent Democrats that have denied the validity of elections. Hillary Clinton uttered the words, Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. Is she an election denier? She wrote a book called What Happened? It wasn't a question mark. It was a statement. What happened? And she explained how the election was stolen from her. Stacey Abrams, gubernatorial candidate in Georgia, still says the election was stolen from her. And yet, are they labeled with the tinfoil hat? Are they labeled as extremists? Are they questioned about it everywhere they go? And what Carrie Lake did with all of that ammunition in her hand, I thought, was brilliant. What she did was turn the tables back on the questioners. Now, you don't have to like her. I'm not asking you to vote for her. I'm not doing any of that. I'm saying to you, you have to look at what somebody does that faces the media on the very same day when her opponent snuck into a freight elevator and ran away. And you don't think that the voters of Arizona are going to see that and act accordingly. I I believe they will. I'm not saying this is going to be a walkover and a win for Carrie Lake. I'm saying this specific event is a win for Carrie Lake. 
So she goes on. I want you to hear the last 26 seconds of this part of what she said. It was about two minutes or so long, so we broke it down. But here's how she ended talking to reporters about this. Since 2000, people have questioned the legitimacy of our elections. And all we're asking is that in the future, we don't have that have to happen anymore. When I'm governor, excuse me, when I'm governor, we're going to make sure we have honest elections. We want the Democrats, the independents, and the Republicans to all know that their vote counted. We want fair, honest, and transparent elections, and we're going to deliver that for the people. And to be honest with you, to be 100 percent honest with you, I don't think that some of the things that they want to put in place are necessary. And I don't think they are uh, good things to do. I don't think we should go to all hand counted ballots. I have no problem with tabulation machines. I don't think we should count all the votes in one day. I think we should get it right. I don't think any of that stuff. I think there are things we can do to shore up our elections. And I agree with Carrie Lake in principle that we should make sure that everybody believes or the vast majority of us believe that we have fair elections. And when she says you come to us and say now all of a sudden the Democrats are defending the validity of our elections when she starts listing off the prominent Democrats that in the past have questioned them. The way she handled that was the way somebody that's a leader handles things. Whether you like her or not, you should at least say if you're a Katie Hobbs fan, you should be saying Katie Hobbs should be doing more of that. It was it was a, it was a very impressive statement, I think, by Kerry Lake. Coming up, we get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. It's called "Did You Hear This?" We'll do it in a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, time to catch up on the big news stories. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. There is a concern as to how much it will cost families to heat their homes this winter. Government says that the average American family will spend now $930 to keep their homes warm. That's about $200 more than they spent last year. How will families be able to get by? Yeah, well, we did this story the other day. I think you're the one that printed it out about the city of Phoenix or the Valley as a whole working about 65 hours a week to try to make ends meet. People are getting a side hustle. If it's a couple, at least one of them is working an extra job. They're doing everything they can. They're they're cutting down on the amount of things they buy. They're cutting down on the quality of the things that they buy to try to get by because these are necessities. No one should have to choose between heating their home and feeding their family, but that's a choice a lot of families are going to have to make, and it's a sad state. We're going to have to wait and hopefully, hopefully turn the corner on this inflation in the the first quarter of next year, but a lot of people are saying it's going to be a lot longer than that. As we continue to draw from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, it may bring about negative consequences. America has lost its oil buffer because with this latest drawdown, we'll now have 400 million barrels of oil left in that Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It's the lowest we've seen since 1983. What is the long-term solution? (laughs) Well, the long-term solution to that is now wait until you see the price that America has to pay to refill that. That's what's going to be a nightmare. And that's also at the time when we're purchasing oil to put it back in is going to keep oil prices a little bit elevated. The key to all of this is energy independence. There's it's the way it always should be. As long as the world is going to need petroleum products, the United States should be energy independent in that way. We should be net exporters. We should have a bigger seat at the table when it comes to whether we're going to slow down production and raise the price of a barrel of oil. Instead of letting OPEC control this, we should be a bigger piece of that control. And we're not as long as the policies remain the same in this administration. And I don't 
don't see them changing no matter what happens. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big headlines. Yesterday, Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richard released the final active voter registration totals for the November election. And independent voters totaled 842,140, or 34.6%. How will this affect midterms? Well, I think that what it does, I don't know how it's going to affect elections because I don't think people change their ideology. I'd be interested to know how many of them are new voters and some of them that are voters that have left a party to register independent because I think that'll tell a bigger piece of the story. People have not given up their ideology and gone independent without an opinion. What they've done is they've changed their party loyalty, meaning you're going to have to win them with what you are going to do as opposed to just the letter next to your name. So candidates are going to have to be a lot more expressive and explanatory about their positions on issues and what they believe solutions are. And I think that's a good thing. And I think they're going to have to pay much more attention to those independent voters. Tony Sanborn, the president of the Arizona Law Enforcement Canine Association, was in studio today and discussed why police dogs are an asset to the force. They increase efficiency, number one. That's the thing that really kind of um, helps them earn their place in law enforcement is the strength of their nose and the way that they work uh, helps us in searching buildings and searching for suspects if they flee from us. What strikes you as the most important about the abilities of a trained police canine has? Let's let's start with the guy with the great radio voice. Let's start there with that guy's voice. I wish I had that guy's voice. Let's start there. Um, But no, I think that the asset people, I think instinctively we understand that it's an important role that canines play in police work. But the officer safety aspect of things, their job is to go ahead to make sure that officers stay safe. That's why they're so respected within the agency, not just by their handlers. But they are also a great tool for marketing and for PR because everybody loves dogs. But they do such an important job. And being able to sit with Tony and, and talk about what the organization does that event that's happening this weekend out at Westworld where it's going to be a competition I hope people do go out to it it's a family friendly event you'll get to learn a lot about what they do and you'll be amazed at how talented these canines and their handlers really are so all around it's five bucks for adults I think kids under 12 get in for free out at Westworld it is a great event and I hope people attend all right, that's Did You Hear This for another day. Well, we will do it again tomorrow on the show. Thank, a great job again, Julia, as always. Um, we are going to talk about inflation. This is a big topic. There's other elements of it that we haven't covered this morning. And we're going to talk about gas prices in comparison to heating your home prices, one offsetting the other, meaning you're not going to get much relief in your bank account when you're trying to heat your home and drive to work this season. So it's going to be rough, but we are got some possible solutions and a few places that you actually are going to get relief. We'll tell you those next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Where else are you going to get Judas Priest and Disco Inferno on the same show, right? We play all the hits. Welcome to the Mike Broomhead Show. Thanks for being here. Uh, Let's talk about the economy and a couple of things we didn't talk about. Let's go back now and talk about a few things that are going to change for the positive for a lot of people. The IRS and a tax adjustment because of inflation and the tax bracket adjustment. This is an ABC report that breaks down a little bit of relief for some people. 
The IRS announcing adjustments to the tax code in response to inflation, which will mean a lower tax burden for some. The IRS says the standard deduction for married couples filing jointly will jump to $27,700 next year, up 1800 over this year. For individuals, the standard deduction will be 13850 up $900. The IRS also adjusting tax brackets upward by about 7%, meaning that Americans whose wages haven't kept pace with inflation might end up in a lower bracket and thus owe less. So that's going to be good news for some taxpayers. I am always in favor of a tax cut. And by the way, um, I want—I I just want to throw this question out there as, as sarcastically as I possibly can. If tax cuts are bad, if, if tax cuts are bad, why are both gubernatorial candidates in Arizona running on cutting taxes? I find that to be interesting. Um, and yes, yes, Katie Hobbs is running on running is running on a platform of lowering taxes, getting rid of some taxation. Um, also, uh, the standard deduction breakdown. This is uh, an ABC report. Also, on the breakdown for that standard. Deduction. Those who take that standard deduction will see it increase $900. So you can deduct now up to $13,850 as an individual. That number is double for couples. The earned income tax credit, which is available to low and medium income families, that now jumps to $7,430. That is up as well. So that is, you know, a decent, a little bit of relief. That's not a bad thing from the federal government. I just got sent this to me. U.S. consumers have soldiered on for most of 2022 in the face of uh, recurrent sticker shock at their favorite retail. But a consumer rebellion against inflation is brewing. And it's a great article full of data that I'm going to maybe share with you on social media uh, coming up. We are all looking for, I believe, um, we are all looking for some sort of relief. Heating oil and what it's costing. I talk policy, policy, policy. If you listen to the show often, you're either rolling your eyes at it or you agree with it. But it is my stance that policies do matter. Is it the end-all, be-all? I'm fair. If you listen to the show, you know I'm fair. I don't blame Biden for everything. I blame Biden for what he has control of. Can't control the war. That's true. But just because it's happening all over the world doesn't mean we can't do a better can't do a better job of handling it when it comes specifically to fuel prices long before the Russian war started with Ukraine long before that happened gas prices were climbing at an astronomical rate here in this country and the reason why is the abysmal energy policies connected to climate change with this administration and again I said I understand that I am at odds with people that believe climate change is the biggest problem our country and the world faces. If you agree what the president is doing is necessary, not just right, but necessary, you at least have to acknowledge that part of the pain of this changeover to this different alternative renewable energy is going to be a high expense to the American taxpayer. You may think it's worth it, but you have to acknowledge that it's happening. Burying your head in the sand and saying that none of the president's policies have had any effect effect on the price of gasoline is either a lie or you are completely ignoring the facts. I had the energy secretary on Granholm. She was on this show and she went down the laundry list of what the administration believes is the cause of climbing gas prices. She blamed the oil companies. She blamed everybody. She blamed Russia. She blamed everybody for it. So I flat out asked her, are any of the policies of this administration responsible for any of this? She said no. She denied it. And I think people get upset when they hear that. They know that it's happening. They know what they're doing. I've got the story in front of me. 
where the president of the United States says he is going to continue to go after the oil companies. They are going to message that the oil companies are profiteering. And there are people in the echo chamber. And uh, what I laugh about this is people believe that there's only an echo chamber in one political party and not the other. There is a large echo chamber out there on the left side of American politics. And the echo chamber keeps saying to everybody that the problems that are happening now is the profiteering of gas and oil companies, that the oil, big oil is what they're called, um, are, is the problem. All, so much so that protesters are even going after the financial institutions that finance exploration and drilling. There was a man here in town, I don't know if it was Scottsdale or Phoenix, that chained himself or, or zip-tied himself to the door of a Wells Fargo bank because Wells Fargo finances uh, the drilling and exploration for oil and natural gas. So that whole echo chamber is out there. But here's the headline I want you to pay attention to. Biden administration puts off correcting math mistakes stalling offshore drilling. So the National Marine Fisheries Services, a sub-agency of NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, admitted in late April that they made a calculation error. And it caused the agency to overestimate the effects of offshore drilling on wildlife, and it delayed permitting of existing oil and gas leases. Now, the agency acknowledged this error, and this was before February of 22. They have given little information on when it will correct an error that is delaying the U.S. energy production amid national fuel shortages. Um, And this is one of the organizations that's upset about this uh, is uh, the National Ocean Industries Association. It's people that do the drilling offshore. Here's a quote. The problem is that there doesn't appear to be a whole lot of urgency behind the efforts to correct this, and it's an issue that has been lingering for a long time. Now, is this the end-all, be-all? Is this the smoking gun of there's your proof? No, it certainly isn't. Is this another one of the contributing policy decisions this administration that are against the oil and gas companies in the U.S. that have stopped us from being energy independent in this country that is contributing to this? Absolutely. So when you hear someone on one side of this argument say, wait a minute, we don't control the price of oil. The international markets do. Right. And when we were energy independent, we were a part of that market where we had a big say in the control. When you are the largest economy on the planet and us in China are neck and neck, when you're the largest economy on the planet and you're energy independent and we don't need to buy your oil and we are net exporters of oil, you've got a big seat at that price of oil table. So when the president of the United States went to the Saudis, they didn't even take the phone call. He went to the Venezuelans. He went to all these other people, the Iranians, I mean, our enemies, about production of oil when all this stuff with Russia was happening. And then recently, Saudi Arabia sat down with the OPEC nations and they decided, you know what we're going to do in November? We're going to cut the production of oil by two million barrels per day. And we're going to drive up the price of oil. The administration, and this is not me again pontificating or, 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 or guessing, this is true. The administration wanted them to postpone that suspension or that reduction until after the election. So do you understand when it's – you want to blame politicians for being politicians, you have to do it on both sides of the aisle. It's only fair that you do it on both sides of the aisle. So their policies it directly affect the price of oil. And it directly affects the price of fuel. 
So any trade-off you're getting because your fuel prices, your gas prices in your vehicle have gone down a little bit are going to be chewed up by what you pay to heat your home on the price of electricity or the price of national, natural gas. That's the prediction from experts, not just right-wing talk radio. And people have to acknowledge it, and this administration isn't. That's where the problem lies. What we're going to do before we close it out is go back to a topic. I'm going to ask you a question about child abuse. Is taking a child to a sexually suggestive drag show child abuse? I'll tell you the story coming up in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Now, normally, when I close out a show, I give you guys the way you can find me on social media because I love social media. I like to keep in touch. I like the banter on Twitter. Um, I do it in good fun. I don't get angry. I laugh about it when I'm sending it, but it's fun to, to kind of poke each other with a stick, so to speak. So I posted this morning. I'm going to give you my Twitter handle now so you can see it for yourself. And I should have put a disclaimer, um, but there is a video I posted from Plano, Texas, and it is a drag show. And it's a it's an all ages. That's what it was billed at is an all ages drag show. And in this video, the song is a raunchy song, which I've got no problem with when it comes to adults and what music you listen to. Teenagers listen to it all the time. Um, but there's a this girl is maybe three years old. One of the attendees, about three years old. Shame on the parents. Um, but also shame on the performer. You've got. Uh, uh, it, and it doesn't matter to me if it had been a woman or this is a drag show. It does. It's completely inappropriate with the language that they're using and the bump and grind kind of performance that happens here. It was in a public event. It wasn't at a school, but it was in public. Is it child abuse? I talked earlier this week about a parent being arrested in the state of New York for allowing their 10-year-old and giving permission and signing permission to give their 10-year-old a tattoo on his forearm, have his name and block letters on his forearm. And the tattoo artist may be arrested for child endangerment. So is it child endangerment to put a tattoo on a 10-year-old? Should the government be intervening and saying that is not that, – that we're protecting your child from you? By the way, the child was taken away from that parent and put into protective custody. Should that have happened? Well, so then the same question is asked here, and when I, and I seriously am asking this question because I want people to consider it. Would it matter if this was an all-male review, uh, Thunder Down Under or whatever it's called, the male review in, in, uh, in Vegas, if a, if a mother took her child, took her son or her daughter to that show where men are bumping and grinding in thongs for women that are going crazy, if it was Bourbon Street or the Highlighter or any one of the you know several strip clubs that are in the, in town here, if a father were to take his son or his daughter into one of those strip clubs and sitting front and center while a stripper is doing her job and stripping on stage with people putting money in her G-string. Is that appropriate? What would you say? Would you believe that the owner of that establishment should throw them out? Should the police be called? Or do you just say, listen, it's horrible and it's disgusting or, and it's, it's none of my business? This is what is so politically weird about our country. In any other circumstance, in any other circumstance, if you were to do that, there would be no question that you would be arrested. There's no question you would be arrested.
If you were in front of someone else's children playing songs with very graphic sexual lyrics, taking off your clothes and bumping and grinding in front of children, you would be arrested. Not, I'm not talking about what the, happened to the parents or to the children. You, the performer, would be arrested. And most people would say you should. But here we have this weird protected class of people in, in, in America. And, and it is now – and I would say to you, I don't think that uh, the LGBTQ community should be put upon, that they should be discriminated against. I don't think that any of that – I don't think anyone should be beaten up or, or um, uh, what would you call it, I guess harassed at the very least for who they are. Whether it's your skin color, it's your religion, it's your sexual preference, any of that. No one should have to put up with abuse. But this isn't about abuse. This is about a special level of protection where now because it's a drag show, there was the same same day. Another story came out. A high school in Michigan, a former NFL player recruiting for this football league in Michigan, was at a high school recruiting some high school athletes apparently for this this league. And brought a stripper, a stripper into a school setting. And some of the kids videotaped it, went out online. The schools apologized and called it disturbing and disgusting. So it was a female stripper, and it's disturbing and disgusting, in front of children. Yes, difference between school grounds and a private, I give you that. But it was called disturbing and disgusting. We have all of these other things now. You can't say it's wrong because if you do, you're labeled as transphobic or homophobic or some kind of phobic. And I don't understand it. Sexualizing children is wrong. I don't care who you are. Whether you're an internet predator trying to talk dirty with a kid in a chat room, whether you are trying to get illicit sexual pictures from a child or sending them sexualized pictures, it's wrong and it's abusive. And I don't care who you are as an adult. You walk into a room, you're hired to do a party, and you're hired to be a stripper at a party. And you walk into a room, and there are little kids there, and you still take off your clothes. You've got problems. I don't care who you are. And if you're a parent that takes your child at three years old, and go watch the video. At Broomhead KTAR is my Twitter handle. Go watch the video. It's one of my tweets that's on there. And watch the segment of the video. It's only about 15 seconds long. Listen to the graphic lyrics and watch this person performing. And you tell me if it's not inappropriate for a child. And I'm not a prude. Ask anybody who's ever heard me tell a joke. I am not a prude. But this is something that we should talk about. Just because you're in this category of people, are you protected from what everybody else has to do? We'll be back tomorrow. I appreciate you uh, spending some time today. About a little after 8, we'll start again. Until then, have a great day, everyone. God bless.